How does NFL playoff picture look going into week 10 of the NFL season? Now, the NFL recently expanded the playoffs to 17s. And for those of you guys who are a little bit confused about how this new 17 playoff format is going to work, I'm going to be explaining it to you guys, breaking it down to you guys so you guys can understand. So each conference will have seven teams participating in the playoffs. And out of those seven teams, only one team from each conference will have a first-round bye. Now, in the past, two teams will have a first-round bye. You have your one seed and your two seed who normally used to have the first-round bye. Now, this year with the new 17-plot format, only one team from each conference will have a first-round bye, which is going to be given to the team who has the number one overall seed. Now, the other six teams will be competing on wild-card weekend. Now, the first four teams who win their division, those guys are going to be hosting their wild-card matchups. So... The 2C will be hosting the 7C, the 3C will be hosting the 6C, and the 4C will be hosting the 5th C. Now, let's take a look at how the playoff picture looks for the AFC heading into Week 10 first. So, currently in the AFC right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers have the number one overall seed. So, if the playoffs were to start today, the Steelers would have a first-round bye. They currently have a record of 8-0. They are the only remaining team left in the NFL with an undefeated record. The Kansas City Chiefs have the number two seed. They're currently eight and one. The Buffalo Bills have the number three seed. They're currently seven and two. And the Tennessee Titans have the number fourth seed with a record of six and two. Those are your four divisional winners. So those four teams, excluding the Pittsburgh Steelers, would be hosting their wildcard matchups if the playoffs were to start today. The other three teams are the three teams that are in the wildcard spot. They will be traveling on the road to face whoever has the higher seeds of the teams that they play. So the Ravens have the number five seed with a record of six and two. The Raiders have the number six seed with a record of five and three. And the Miami Dolphins have the seven seed right now for a record of five and three. Now, even though the Raiders and the Dolphins currently have the six and seven seed, Really, they're currently top. The other teams who are in the hunt, like the Cleveland Browns are in the hunt with a record of 5-3. The Colts are 5-3. And and the Denver Broncos and the New England Patriots are on the outside looking in with both having records of 3-5. and So, the 6 and the 7 seed are pretty much up for grabs. The Browns, the Colts, the Raiders, the Dolphins, they're all jockeying for those wild card spots as of right now heading into Week 10. Now, in terms of the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts, if the Tennessee Titans lose to the Indianapolis Colts this Thursday on Thursday Night Football, then the Colts will end up taking that number fourth seed, and the Titans will end up having that number five or number six seed in the playoff standings or in the playoff picture. So, with the Colts and Titans playing this Thursday, there's going to be a lot of playoff seeding and a lot of playoff um implications at stake in that game because that's going to be to decide who's going to end up taking control of the AFC South now for the Broncos and New England Patriots they currently have a lot of work that they have to do if they want to get into at least the playoff picture because as of right now they're just on the outside looking in they have a record of three and five the Colts the Browns the Dolphins the Raiders they're all in that conversation for those six and seven spots right now and the wild card now for the Pittsburgh Steelers if they lose this week to the Cincinnati Bengals then they're going to be tied for the number one overall seed with the Kansas City Chiefs so that is how things look in terms of the playoff picture 
for the AFC conference. Now, the NFC has a lot going on right now because there are currently three teams right now that are tied for that number one overall seed in the NFC. You have the Seattle Seahawks at 6-2, the Packers at 6-2, and and the New Orleans Saints at 6-2. All three of those teams are battling to see who's going to end up having that number one seed. Now, the Seattle Seahawks currently have a regular 6-2. And And as of right now, they have control of their division, which I think the Seattle Seahawks should end up winning that NFC West division. So they should end up clinching one of those four playoff spots. Now, the Green Bay Packers have a firm grip on their division. Um, The team that is in second place right now is the Minnesota Vikings at 3-5. and five. So the Green Bay Packers, they win a couple more games. They should already have one of their playoff spots already locked up. So they have like a three-game lead on the division. Now, the New Orleans Saints are currently 6-2 and two right now. And the Buccaneers are 6-3. and three. So if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints end up having the same record, let's say both of those two teams end up going 12-4, then the New Orleans Saints will end up having the three seed or one of those four playoff spots since they own the tiebreaker over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they defeated them twice. So the Philadelphia Eagles have the fourth seed right now, and the reason why the Philadelphia Eagles have the fourth seed right now is because they are currently number one in the division. A lot of you guys may be a little bit thrown off by the record. You're probably going to be like, JT, how are the Philadelphia Eagles a higher seed than the Buccaneers and the Cardinals and the Rams when they have a worse record? The reason for that is because they're currently number one in their division. If you win your division, regardless of your record in your division, you automatically get one of the four four. You automatically get one of the first four seeds in the playoffs. So if you win your division, you automatically clinch one of those first four seeds in the playoffs and you automatically host a home field game for the first round of the playoffs. So the Philadelphia Eagles have a regular three, four, and one. They have the fourth seed. I know that may look a little bit weird, but that's how it goes. If you win your division, regardless of your record, you clinch one of those first four seeds in the playoffs. Now the Buccaneers currently have the fifth seed with a record of six and three. They have a one game lead on everybody else. The Cardinals have the sixth seed with a record of five and three. And the Rams have the seventh seed with a record of five and three as well. So the Cardinals and the Rams are currently tied right now. If you want to be a little bit more literal and a little bit more technical with the playoff seedings, both the Rams and the Cardinals are tied for the sixth and seventh seed. Then you have the Chicago Bears who are on the in the hunt at five and four. If the Rams end up losing or the Cardinals end up losing this week and either one of those teams drops to five and four, then they're going to be tied for the Chicago Bears in terms of playoff seeding for one of those six or seven seeds heading into week 11. So the rest of the teams are on the outside looking in. For you to be on the outside looking in, you are nowhere close. You're kind of like a game or two back for being in the hunt. So the 49ers, the Vikings, and the Lions are all three on the outside looking in. The 49ers are four and five right now, and the Vikings are three and five, and the Detroit Lions are three and five as well. So those teams, the 49ers, the Vikings, and the Lions all have a lot of ground to make up if they want to be in the playoff conversation right now. So those teams are on the bubble. The Chicago Bears are on the outside looking in. All they really need is for the Rams or the Cardinals to lose, and they're pretty much will be tied for one of those playoff spots. So, for the Chicago Bears, if they win this week and the Cardinals or the Rams lose, they will overtake one of those teams for either the 6th or the 7th seed. 
So if one of those two teams loses and the Chicago Bears win, then they're going to end up jumping into the playoff conversation. They're going to end up having either that six or that seven seed. So this is how the playoff picture looks heading into week 10 of the NFL season. I know it may sound a little bit confusing for a lot of you guys watching because this is the first year of the new playoff system. I hope I was able to explain it the best way possible. Let's go over the NFC one more time. So the NFC has three teams that are all tied for the number one overall seed. The Packers, the Saints, and the Seahawks all have a record of 6-2. and two. The Eagles have the number fourth seed right now. They have a record of 3-4-1. The reason why they have that fourth seed right now is because if you win your division, then you end up clinching one of those first four seeds in the playoffs, and you end up hosting a home field game for the first round of the playoffs. The Buccaneers are number five right now with a record of 6-3. The Cardinals and the Rams are both at the 6-7 and seven seed. They both have a record of 5-3. and three. If one of those teams loses this week and the Chicago Bears end up winning, then the Chicago Bears end up overtaking one of those teams, whoever ends up losing. And for the 49ers, Vikings, and the Lions, all three of those teams are on the outside looking in. So this is it for my NFL Week 10 playoff picture update. Let me know what you guys think about the playoff Um race so far let me know who you guys think is going to end up taking that six or seven seed do you think chicago bears are going to win this week do you think the cardinals or the rams are going to be able to lose or hang on to their spots let me know make sure you guys like the video and subscribe to the channel and if you're listening to this on podcast format make sure that you guys go ahead and share this podcast with your friends your family your acquaintances on social media also make sure that you leave the podcast a five-star review if you haven't already and thanks for listening thanks for watching and take care Should Raheem Morris be the permanent head coach for the Atlanta Falcons? Now, for those of you guys who don't know who Raheem Morris is, Raheem Morris is currently the interim head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. He took over a couple of weeks ago when the Atlanta Falcons fired Dan Quinn. And ever since Raheem Morris has become the interim head coach for the Falcons, they've been 3-1. and And this Falcons team under Raheem Morris looks like a completely different team than it did under Dan Quinn. I mean, they're finishing games. They're not blowing leads. I think the only game that they blew a lead in under Raheem Morris was against the Detroit Lions, which was because Todd Gurley, instead of taking the knee, he went ahead and he scored a touchdown, which gave the Detroit Lions opportunity to go down the field, which Detroit went down the field and scored and won the game. But other than that, that was the only loss that Raheem Morris has suffered ever since he's became the interim head coach for the Falcons. He destroyed the Minnesota Vikings week 6, 40-23. Week 8, they beat the Carolina Panthers, which the Panthers are a pretty solid football team. And just recently, they defeated the Denver Broncos 34-27. And what's more impressive is that this defense under Raheem Morris hasn't allowed 30 points. The most points that this defense has allowed has been 27, which came against the Denver Broncos. So this defense looks improved. This team looks improved. They're not giving up big leads. Like every time the Falcons get a big lead in the game, everybody says, oh, God, here we go again. Are the Falcons going to once again blow another lead? And haven't really seen that aside from the game and the loss to the Detroit Lions. So if you're a Falcons fan, you got to be looking at Raheem Morris. You got to be saying, hmm. If Raheem Morris keeps this up, should he be the Falcons head coach permanently for the next couple of years or so? Now, here's what I think about this. I think that at the end of the season, when you're going through the process of bringing in new head coaches for interviews, Raheem Morris has to be the guy who has to be first in line. And 
Me personally, I would hire Raheem Morris. And the reason why is because I don't think there are really any other good head coaching candidates out there aside from Eric Bellinami, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, and defensive coordinator for the 49ers, Robert Sala. Now, I don't really know how hot of a commodity Robert Sala still is because, you know, the 49ers have dealt with a lot of injuries, so I don't really know how people still feel about Robert Sala. But we know Eric Bellinami is pretty much going to be the hottest head coaching candidate this upcoming offseason, and he pretty much will be going to the Houston Texans, partner up with Deshaun Watson. So when you look at the coaching carousel, not really a lot of hot names out there. I think if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, if you can't get Eric Bellinami, I think Raheem Morris would be the next best thing. And I know it may be a little bit too early to jump on the Raheem Morris bandwagon as him becoming the new head coach for Atlanta. But think about it this way. Think about how this team has responded to Raheem Morris. And remind you that this is an Atlanta Falcons team that a lot of people are saying that they should just go ahead and tank, try to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence, or try to get Justin Fields. And instead of tanking, this team is actually coming up and they're performing really well. And it's not like they beat any um, completely bad teams. Like, they have played some bad teams, but they have beaten a pretty good team, a pretty good Carolina Panthers team. And they beat the Denver Broncos, which the Denver Broncos are riding the thick of things in terms of the playoff race. So they've been two above average teams and they've beaten two bad teams ever since Raheem Morris has been the interim head coach. And... For Raheem Morris, the way this team has responded has been impressive because this is a team that has banged up at secondary. Like at one point, they were contemplating starting linebackers at safety. Like this whole entire defense has been a complete mess due to injuries. So the fact that this defense has not been getting shredded apart like it was in the early part of the season under Dan Quinn is something that you have to give Raheem Morris a round of applause. And if you're the Atlanta Falcons, if you can't get a guy like Eric Bellinami in, then I think Raheem Morris would be the next best thing because, first of all, the players already know Raheem Morris, so he already kind of has the locker room and the culture in the locker room kind of established. Okay, so if you bring in a new head coach, he has to come in, reestablish the locker room, get guys acclimated, guys have to like him. Meanwhile, you have a guy, Raheem Morris, who looks like he's already kind of won over the locker room. And when you ask me the question, JT, how do you know if Raheem Morris has won over the locker room or not? Um, do you see how the Atlanta Falcons have responded? Compare Raheem Morris to Romeo Cornell with the Houston Texans. He also is an interim head coach. The Houston Texans, ever since Romeo Cornell has taken over, they don't look any different than what they did against when they had Bill O'Brien. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Falcons do. The Atlanta Falcons, like I said earlier, look like a way different team than they did earlier with Dan Quinn. So the players are responding to Raheem Morris. And when you have a coach who players are responding to, I think you have to kind of give them a chance. Now, another instance of this, because this isn't the first time this happened. I don't know if you guys remember this, but a couple of years ago, when the Cleveland Browns fired Hugh Jackson, they promoted Greg Williams, which Greg Williams currently right now is the defensive coordinator for the New York Jets. The Cleveland Browns were really impressive under Greg Williams. And instead of hiring Greg Williams as their full-time head coach, they decided to hire Freddie Kitchens. And we saw how that went. So just because Raheem Morris is having success doesn't mean that you have to hire him. I mean, you can at least give him an interview, but that doesn't mean you have to hire him. Like, if you're the Atlanta Falcons owner 
and you see a guy who you think may be better than Raheem Morris, by all means, go ahead and hire him. But me, when I'm looking at the coaching carousel and I'm looking at the coaching candidates that are out there, it's not really a lot of guys who really impress me. Pretty much the only guy is Eric Bellinami, and then you have Robert Sala, who is in tier two, but I don't really know how a lot of teams are still feeling about Robert Sala right now. So not really a lot of hot head coaching candidates out there like there was last year. When you look at that, I would go ahead and hire Raheem Morris because I don't think Raheem Morris is going to do any worse than any other head coaching candidates out there. Like, I think Raheem Morris pretty much would be the next best thing aside from Air Bellinami if you are the Atlanta Falcons because Robert Sala, like I said, the 49ers have been really shaky. They struggled with injuries this year. I still want to see a little bit more out of Raheem Morris before I hire him as a full-time head coach like Air Bellinami. Air Bellinami has been in the conversation to be the next guy in line to get a head coaching job for like the last three years due to the work that he's done with Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense. But I think the next best thing would be Raheem Morris. And I know Raheem Morris has struggled as a head coach in the past, like he was the head coach for Tempe Buccaneers, didn't do all that well. But just because you fail at something one time doesn't mean you can fail again. Like, it's a lot of head coaches who failed in their first stops, like Bill Belichick failed with the Cleveland Browns. Tony Dungy failed with Tampa Bay. So just because you fail one time doesn't mean you can't succeed. And that's just in life in general. Just because you fail one time at something doesn't mean you shouldn't be given another opportunity. Now, if Raheem Morris is given another opportunity and he stinks, albeit, I think Raheem Morris is the second best option currently right now on the head coaching market. And for the Atlanta Falcons owner, I mean, I will hire him. Because I don't think you're going to get Eric Bellinami. I think Eric Bellinami, without a doubt, is going to the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson. I think he's just a better fit there. And with Raheem Morris, the way that he's been performing right now as the interim head coach, I think you have to have him as number two on your list behind Bellinami. So when you look at how the locker room is responding to Raheem Morris, and you look at how this Atlanta Falcons defense has had a complete overhaul ever since he's taken over, you have to take that into consideration. So me personally, I would hire Raheem Morris because I don't think there are any better coaching candidates out there that I can think of off the top of my head that would be better than what Raheem Morris is right now. And just because Raheem Morris failed in Temple Bay doesn't mean he's going to fail again with Atlanta. So you guys let me know how you guys feel about Raheem Morris being a permanent head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. I say, hey, why not give him a shot? The Kansas City Chiefs, or the Pittsburgh Steelers? Who is the best team in the AFC right now? And this is a really tough question, okay? Because the Pittsburgh Steelers are currently 8-0. They are the only remaining undefeated team left in the NFL. And you have the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs are 8-1. Their only lone loss came to the Las Vegas Raiders. So when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, we know that they have the best defense in the NFL. And for the Chiefs, they have a pretty good defense in their own right, a top 10 defense in my opinion, and they have one of the top three offenses in the NFL, okay? So this is a really tough decision in picking who is the best team in the AFC because both of these two teams are really good. But I'm going to have to side with the Kansas City Chiefs. And here's why I think the Chiefs are a better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Even though the Steelers have the better record, I believe the Chiefs are a better team. The Kansas City Chiefs are a better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers 
because they execute better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you watch the Chiefs play a team like the New York Jets, they blow them out. The game is not even close. Meanwhile, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers who are getting into dogfights with the Dallas Cowboys. Teams that the Pittsburgh Steelers should blow out, they have a tough time dominating them. And I'm not saying that the Steelers are not a good team because that. I'm just saying that the Kansas City Chiefs are a better football team than the Steelers because they are a more dominating team. They dominate the teams that they're supposed to dominate. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, they just skate by the teams that they're supposed to beat. If the Dallas Cowboys played the Kansas City Chiefs, that game would not even be close. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Steelers played the Dallas Cowboys, and the Cowboys gave the Steelers all they could handle. The Steelers almost walked out of Dallas with an L. And the main reason for why the Steelers um, aren't as good as executing as the Kansas City Chiefs is because of their offense. You see, I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense like a lawnmower. For those of you guys who have those lined-up lawnmowers that you have to, you know, put a little string to start up, that's what the Steelers' offense is. So you guys ever woke up Saturday morning, you go put your shoes on, get dressed, and you get ready to cut the grass. And you have one of those little wind-up lawnmowers that you wind it up a couple of times, you put the gasoline in, and it just doesn't start like you, and it doesn't start up, and it takes a while to get it kick-started. That's what the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is from time to time. A good example of this is against the Dallas Cowboys. The Pittsburgh Steelers offense came out flat. The Steelers offense couldn't get anything going against the Dallas Cowboys defense until the last two minutes of the second quarter when Big Ben was basically playing that drive on one leg because his knee suffered an injury. Another good example of this was against the New York Giants week one. The Steelers offense kind of struggled a little bit until midway through the second quarter or the two-minute mark when they finally were able to get something going on offense. So the Steelers are kind of like a lawnmower. Sometimes it's hard to get it kick-started, and it's hard to get it going. Now, sometimes, you know, it may be some Saturday mornings when you have that wind-up lawnmower, and you put the gasoline in, you wind it up, and it starts perfectly fine. But then, eventually, everything's going smooth, and then the lawnmower starts to kind of mess up. It starts to... And then it gives up to it gives up on you. Then you have to go ahead and refill it with gasoline, and then it starts giving you problems there. And that's also... A similar issue with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. You see, when they start off fast, they start off fast in the first half, like they did against Tennessee, for example. They had a really good first half against Tennessee. It looks like they were going to blow out the Tennessee Titans. Then in the second half, their offense started to struggle. They had a couple of turnovers, and Tennessee was able to get back into the game. Meanwhile, with the Kansas City Chiefs, you don't really see those kind of issues offensively. With Kansas City, yeah, they may get stopped a dry here or there, But you don't really see them going a long half or a long couple of quarters with their offense running flat. And normally when the Kansas City Chiefs offense gets going, they don't really get stopped a lot of times. So that's why I say the Kansas City Chiefs are a better team in terms of execution than the Pittsburgh Steelers are. The Chiefs offense normally most of the time doesn't stall like the Pittsburgh Steelers offense does. Now, are there games that the Kansas City Chiefs offense has kind of came out slow? 
Yes, they are. Are there games that the Chiefs offense has kind of stalled in the second half? Yes, there are, but not really a lot of games that the Chiefs have played like that compared to the Pittsburgh Steelers, which the Steelers have played almost every single game that either their offense starts off fast and comes out slow in the second half, or their offense starts out slow in the first half, and then it picks up steam in the second half. That's why the Steelers aren't as good as executing as Kansas City Chiefs. Another thing that the Chiefs do well is that they can actually run the football. Now, the Chiefs may not have a great rushing attack stats-wise, but that's because they just choose to throw the football because that's just what they like to do. They're a pass-happy team. But if they have to run the football to win the game, they can do so. A good example of that was against the Buffalo Bills. They absolutely obliterated the Buffalo Bills deep to line. Clyde Harris-Hilaire went off that game, and now they add Le'Veon Bell. So the Kansas City Chiefs can run the ball if they need to. But the, can't, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, they're, they're a balanced team. But the Steelers do have games that they struggle to run the football. The Dallas Cowboys game, let's go back to that one. Last week, just recently, the Steelers struggled to run the football with a lot of success against the Dallas Cowboys. James Conner has been up and down this year. There's a reason why people call James Conner the most overrated halfback in the NFL. Now, I don't think James Conner's overrated. I think James Conner's a little bit underrated in terms of what he's able to do running the football and being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. But either way, a lot of people consider James Conner the most overrated halfback in the NFL. He didn't really have a lot of success against the Dallas Cowboys. So the Steelers' wing run game is a big reason why this offense kind of stalls at times. Because when the run game isn't going, then the Steelers have to rely on the pass, and sometimes the passing game isn't always going well. So if the running game isn't going well and the pass game isn't going well, then what do you have to work with? You get what I'm saying? So the Kansas City Chiefs offense doesn't really have those problems because it's pretty much picky poison. If Kansas City needs to run the football, they can run the football. But if Pittsburgh can't run the football, then you have to rely on the passing game, which is a, long, which is a big reason why this offense kind of comes off flat because the running game isn't all that consistent. The running game has been up and down for the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. Now, for the Steelers, they have a great defense. That is a big reason why they are currently 8-0. When the offense is stalling, when the offense is going 3-9, and and when the offense can't get in the rhythm, it's great that they have a defense that they can rely on that can get the ball back to the offense via if it's a turnover or just getting a big stop on third down getting off the field. That's why the Steelers are 8-0. So the offense isn't bad. I'm not trying to say the Steelers have a bad offense. I'm just saying that the Steelers offense has times during games that it stalls. They either start the game out slow or they start the game out fast and finish the game slow on offense or they start the game out slow and finish the game out fast on offense. Meanwhile, with Kansas City, you don't really see that a lot. The offense is clicking right from the jump. Like You, you want that lawnmower up for the Kansas City Chiefs and that thing is road running for the whole entire afternoon for the whole entire morning. So that's why I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are not a better team than the Kansas City Chiefs. They have a better record than the Chiefs, but they're not a better team than the Chiefs because the Chiefs are a more dominating team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Kansas City Chiefs, when they beat teams, they beat teams. Like, did you see how they handled the Baltimore Ravens a couple of weeks ago? They handled the Baltimore Ravens. Meanwhile, you have the Steelers. Okay, they beat teams. They don't beat teams like Kansas City does. Kansas City beats teams. Pittsburgh just beats teams but the Kansas City Chiefs they beat down teams like let me give you guys a good analogy Pittsburgh what they do is they do enough that you ever have that worker that does enough to well let me give you a better one you ever got a C on one of your tests 
Okay, a C is like the lowest acceptable score that you can get on the test. Maybe a D, but let's just say a C. Okay, let's say you need to get a C on the exam to pass. The Pittsburgh Steelers are that one kid that does enough to pass a test. They're that one kid that does enough to get a passing grade. They're okay with a C. The Kansas City Chiefs, on the other hand, are that one team that passed their test with flying colors that gets like a 89 or 100 on their test or something like that. So... The Pittsburgh Steelers are that one kid that does enough to pass the test with a C. And the Kansas City Chiefs are the team that looks at that test and they get a B or A on it. And they pass the test with flying colors. That's a good analogy to compare the Pittsburgh Steelers to the Kansas City Chiefs. One team is better at at executing than the other. And that doesn't mean that the Steelers are a bad team. I mean, if you're able to win close games, that just shows just how good of a team that you are because there are a lot of teams that can win close games, i.e. the L.A. Chargers and the Detroit Lions. So being able to win close games isn't an indictment against our team. But when you're constantly in close games against teams that Kansas City could blow out easily, that kind of has to point the advantage towards the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team and the AFC as of right now. But I do expect both the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs to be matched up against one another in this upcoming year's AFC Championship game. And it should be a really good game. I'm eager, I'm eager to see the Pittsburgh Steelers defense versus the Kansas City Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes.